Hi, this is Bill Federer, and I thought today we would talk about the Christmas truce of 1914. And so this is before America gets into World War I. And when the war begins, you start with the British and the French and Dutch and the Belgium on one side and the Germans under Kaiser Wilhelm on the other side. But when the war first began, uh, British women suffragists, these were women that uh, were pushing for women to get the right to vote. Uh, they sent an open Christmas letter to the women of Germany and Austria, imploring peace as the first Christmas of the war was approaching. Uh, at the same time, Pope Benedict the 15th, uh, December 7th, 1914, begged for a truce, asking for, quote, that the guns may fall silent at least upon the night the angels sang. Uh, these requests were officially rebuffed. Nevertheless, on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1914, an estimated 100,000 British, French, and German troops near the Ypres in Belgium on the Western Front, they ceased fighting. The thunderous booming of the artillery fell silent that night. German troops started decorating their trenches with Christmas trees and candles in their branches. Uh, they began singing Stille Nacht, Silent Night. And then at the, this was one of the Christmas carols that everyone knew, Silent Night. Uh, the Germans knew it, the French knew it, the English knew it. And so the troops on both sides of the battle began singing Silent Night. And the song itself was written a century earlier by a priest, Father Joseph Moore, M-O-H-R, with the melody composed by Austrian headmaster, Franz Xavier Gruber. And so the song dates back to 1818 on Christmas Eve at St. Nicholas Church in Oberndorf by Salzburg, Austria. And one version of the story is that the organ had broken for they had these organs with these bellows, which were pieces of wood with leather in between that they would open and close and it would blow air through the organ. And one of the stories is maybe a mouse had eaten through the leather and the bellow wasn't working. But uh, it's Christmas Eve and the uh, Franz Gruber uh, quickly took Father Moore's poem and composed a melody to be accompanied with a guitar. And so Silent Night has been translated into over 44 languages and the uh, evening uh, setting of it was you had this big church and everyone in the town was packed into the church and they were ready for the booming organ and this beautiful Christmas cantata and the church is completely silent and you hear one lone guitar and then you hear the singing of Silent Night. And it was a beautiful uh, event. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Next verse. Silent night, holy night, son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from 
thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. So the 1914 official Christmas truce uh, continued, and soldiers on both sides started shouting Christmas greetings to each other out of the trenches. And C. Ernest Furneaux of the British Rifle Brigade wrote in a letter to his parents, about five o'clock on Christmas Eve, the Germans started lighting up Christmas trees in their trenches. We took no notice of them until they began to sing. Then we began to cheer them and talk to one another as we were only about 80 yards apart. So by the light of their searchlight, our officers went across halfway and their officers came to meet them. They shook hands and conversed for a while. It was agreed that we should have a day off, that they would fire the first shot to start again. So from 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve until 10 o'clock this morning, December 25th, neither side had fired, only walked about. Some of the Germans came across to us. We shook hands and had some chocolates and cigars from them. Venturing across no man's land, they recovered bodies and held joint burial services. Lance Corporal Imla of the Gordon Highlanders wrote in a letter to his father. Our padre, the father, then gave a short service, one of the items in which was Psalms 23. Thereafter, a German soldier, a divinity student, I believe, interpreted the service to the German party. I could not understand what he was saying, but it was beautiful to listen to him. The service was over. We were soon fraternizing with the Germans, just as if they were our old friends. And then the Hertzshire Mercury newspaper, January 9th, 1915, published a letter that was written January um, from a British rifleman, C.H. Brazier. And it goes, all through the night, we sang carols to them, and they sang to us to follow his example. On Christmas Day, we got out of the trenches and walked about with the Germans, who, when asked if they were fed up with the war, they said, yes, rather. They all believed that London had been captured and that the German sentries were outside of Buckingham Palace. They are evidently told a lot of rot. We gave them some of our newspapers and convinced them. Soldiers even played soccer together. The Germans won three to two. Bruce Bairn's father, who served during the First World War, wrote, I wouldn't have missed that unique and weird Christmas day for anything. I spotted a German officer, some sort of lieutenant, I should think, and being a bit of a collector, I in intimated to him that I had taken a fancy of some of his buttons. I brought out my wire clippers and with a few snips, removed a couple of his buttons and put them in my pocket. I gave him two of mine in exchange. The last I saw was one of my machine gunners who was a bit of an amateur hairdresser in civil life, cutting the unnaturally long hair of the docile Bochi, the German, who was patiently uh, kneeling on the ground whilst the automatic clippers crept up the back of his neck. In the book Christmas Truce by Malcolm Brown and Shirley Seaton, they recorded, there was general handshaking and the dead were buried. Cigars, cigarettes, newspapers were exchanged and a general celebration ensued. 
Then the Frenchman suggested that we should shoot no longer, promised that they themselves would not resume hostilities in that event. When General Sir Horish Smith Dorian, commander of the British Second Corps, heard what was happening, he was irate and issued strict orders forbidding friendly communication with the opposing German troops. Someone else who opposed the truce was a young corporal in the 16th Bavarian Reserve Infantry named Adolf Hitler. Hmm. World War I continued for more than four years and cost the lives of 9 million combatants, 7 million civilians, and it was one of the deadliest conflicts in world history. On December 25th, 1918, President Woodrow Wilson wrote to General Pershing and the American forces stationed at the battlefront in France. While it is hard, far away from home, confidently to bid you a Merry Christmas, I can and think confidentially promise you, I can, I think, confidentially promise you a happy new year. And I can, from the bottom of my heart, say, God bless you. And so that was Woodrow Wilson to General Pershing. After World War I, President Woodrow Wilson gave his annual uh, appeal December 8, 1918, in support of the Red Cross. He says, one year ago, 22 million Americans, by enrolling as members of the Red Cross at Christmas time, sent to the men who were fighting our battles overseas a stimulating message of cheer and goodwill. Now, by God's grace, the Red Cross Christmas message of 1918 will be a message of peace as well as a message of goodwill, because the war was now over. Some of the other interesting statements by presidents that acknowledged Christmas was Warren G. Harding and December 23rd, 1921, Harding uh, stated of the U.S. delegation drawing up the Four Powers Treaty. He says that the treaty is more than gratified uh, that he is more than gratified over their efforts because they are working out the greatest contribution to peace and goodwill which has ever marked the Christmas time in all the Christian era. So they called everything from Jesus' birth till uh, that time the Christian era. Calvin Coolidge wrote, Christmas is not a time uh, nor a season, but a state of mind. To cherish peace and goodwill to be plenteous in mercy is to have the real spirit of Christmas. A quote from Herbert Hoover, December 22nd, 1931. He said, I have received requests from federal employees that they should be given two periods of holidays, Christmas and New Year's Day. While I see little objection to the day following Christmas in order that federal employees may have the opportunity to join their families, I do not feel that we should extend the holidays at New Year's. So here, the president saying only one holiday, Christmas. Franklin D. Roosevelt sent a Christmas message December 24th, 1942, during the war, World War II. He said, it is significant that Christmas Day, our plants and factories will be stilled. That is not true of other holidays. On all other holidays, work goes on gladly for winning the war. So Christmas becomes the only holiday in all the year. I like to think that is so because Christmas is a holy day. May all it stands for live and grow throughout the years.
And then a great quote from Harry S. Truman, December 24th, 1946. He said, we shall find strength and courage at this Christmas time. He whose birth we celebrate tonight was the world's greatest teacher. He said, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And then Truman goes on. Through all the centuries since he spoke, history has vindicated his teaching. In this great country of ours has been demonstrated the fundamental unity of Christianity and democracy. I just think that's amazing. Here is a Democrat president, 1946, saying in this great country of ours is demonstrated the fundamental unity of Christianity and democracy. Truman goes on. We have our unique national heritage because of a common aspiration to be free and because of our purpose to achieve ourselves and for our children, the good things of life, which the Christ declared he came to give all mankind. And then Truman ends. The progress we have made gives hope that in the coming year, we shall reach our goal, the benediction of the master. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I say to all my countrymen, Merry Christmas, and may all May God bless you all. And so just a great uh, statement. Uh, another one from Eisenhower, 1960. Through all the ages, men have felt the uplift of the spirit of Christmas. We commemorate the birth of the Christ child by giving expression to our gratitude for the great things that his coming has brought to the world. John F. Kennedy, December 17th, 1962. Christmas is the most sacred and hopeful day in our civilization. I could go on and on, but that gives you an idea of the uh, presidents and what they said about Christmas. And then the 1914 Christmas truce, where the cannons fell stilled on Christmas Eve of 1914. Hope you've enjoyed this and look forward to the next time that I get a chance to be with you. God bless.